right, so let's go ahead and jump into the podcast. I will introduce you guys. We have Danny from Turks and Caicos. What up, my bitches? Regular host and podcaster. And joining us, a little bit of an interesting dynamic, <laughs> we have Mike, his brother, who just got off of Stranded in Morocco. Whoa, what's up, everybody? <laughs> I didn't think about how I'm going to have to call him Danny the entire time. No, let's just stick to the strand of names, although it yeah. would be weird. Um, so the only other time we've had brothers, I think, I mean, we might have had another situation, but off the top of my head, the only other time we've had brothers was Garrett and Wu, the twins who played in Socotra, who were absolutely legendary. <laughs> yeah, they're nuts. Yeah, you guys had a lot to live up to. Y'all are legendary for a different reason, but... Well, no, Dan- Danny's legendary, and I'll just kind of ride that coattail for a little bit. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Okay, so let's go ahead and start let's start from the beginning. So we'll talk about interview process and how that went. Because <laughs> we know it did not go so smoothly. I think Karen's blog sums it up best. If someone wants some light reading to make them feel good. Yeah, I believe some of the words he used to describe you were an absolute void <laughs> and nepotism at its finest. So I, I believe that is accurate. I got to be honest with you. We were not excited about you playing. I mean, I always give people who are related or whatever a shot. Because usually they end up working out pretty well, but we did not have high hopes for you coming into this. I'm glad to say you turned that around, but let's talk about what your first impressions of Stranded were and what you were thinking when you were interviewing. Okay, so by the time we got to the interview process, I had gotten a little information from Danny about how this whole thing works and what the general feel of it is. When I was doing the application, I didn't really think about the fact that I'm applying to something that's out there to entertain people who are watching. I thought it was just going to be a bunch of people who are really diehard into Survivor. So my thought process is like, oh, be like realistic. Say like why you think you'd be good at this or what your advantages would be. Looking back on it, you got to treat it like you're applying to a TV show. Like people want exciting players. And I kind of started to turn around towards the end of the interview. But I think I just wasn't in the right headspace when applying and interviewing to try to show that I'd be fun to have on the show. I was trying to say, like, I might make it far, which isn't exciting. Yeah, I think people forget that we get around 60 applications. I mean, that's kind of the number we shoot for. And we'll even go higher if we're not happy with the 60 that we have. And that means, like, we want entertainment. We want people who are not giving us the typical answers. And that brings up an interesting point, because if I remember correctly, Danny, you did not have a great application or interview either. No, I half-assed it so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we didn't even cast Danny to be... I don't know if you knew this, but we didn't even cast Danny on the first go-around. He was a replacement. Yeah, I got like a, a text message and it was just like, hey, like still interested in playing. We had some people not show and I was like, oh yeah, cool. Throw me in. So you at least had enough that like by bashing me, a couple people were like, fine, like let's just put him in. And if he sucks... Then we can just make fun of him more. So yeah, we'll just ride Danny for that. <laughs> yeah, I'll fully admit that I feel like half the reason I got in was that no matter what happened, people could make fun of Danny for the outcome. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So there were some similarities in your games, but a lot of differences. For one, I think your personalities are kind of similar. You both have like a good sense of humor about you. But Danny was very much took the bull by the horns, so to speak, when he was playing. Where Mike, you kind of I feel like you started the game kind of in control and. And then towards the middle and merge, you started to kind of go with the flow. Let's talk about the early game and how you approached it. All right. Well, coming in, I think I had a really easy early game for someone who's maybe not as experienced. Uh, This is my first org, ORG, whatever you want to call them. So I think I was planning on just kind of taking it slow and trying to be social. But when we only had four people show up, it wasn't that difficult to try to build 
two really strong bonds and feel solid in my place in the tribe, especially considering one of them was Natalie, who as lovely as Natalie was, the whole role playing thing just wasn't really catching on in our group. So it was it was pretty easy to have a dominant three and just feel comfortable with those relationships. Um, I think you guys kind of called it out later that if I'm being 100 percent honest, it made me look better than I was actually playing at the time. I think I have a decent ability to talk to and build relationships with people. But I think as you'll see later in the game, it doesn't carry like over to the rest of my gameplay. Well, I don't think it was ever your relationships with people that was the problem. I think you guys were lucky in the fact that like you, Alec and Gabby could tell each other everything. And the only person you had to keep anything from was the role playing girl. Well, guy, um, <laughs> like, you know, your guys first couple of days in the game, you just had to sit there, make relationships with each other and just like vote off and act it. So I think one of the problems of you guys having such an easy go before the swap was that like, you didn't have to practice lying. You didn't have to practice keeping some information to yourself. I don't think it was ever your relationships that were the issue. No, and, and you're completely correct. And I think you guys actually touched on it in your podcast was by the time we got to the rest of the game with the swap and other players got mixed in. I think it was fine for someone like Gabby who has experience. But for me, I, I felt overwhelmed. I was really behind and I didn't really have that ability to just pick up as quickly. So I think, whereas in the beginning, I felt comfortable with my group and felt more comfortable kind of at least taking a little bit of charge. By the time we got to the bigger game, I think I was just okay being a follower just because it was pretty overwhelming. There's just a lot going on, a lot to keep track of. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, you know, that's most people's experience, especially, you know, we, we have had a lot of players who they play their first game and then they come out of it thinking, you know, I would do that totally differently. I really should have played a little bit more ballsy, but I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I, I think that's a normal first time player scenario. And I think it was unusual this season having a, not only a dominant winner in Ziggy controlling things, but also I really think Gabby was the real force, or at least the two of them together being such experienced players kind of ran the table on everyone and so i think this was a unique season because i in the merge which we'll get to danny even made a point in your uh ponderosa where you said you know i should have played the game more boring that could have done a lot better (laughs) which is not what we want to hear but also probably not true and i think what we probably confused you on is that you know, we're always pushing people to be a little bit bigger than they would normally be, play a little bit harder than they normally would. And I think you had played the perfect game in that small tribe. And had you continued that onward, it would have been fine. We want players to get in the mix, though, I think is the biggest part, not just be passengers, to quote Julia, in the game. You know, I mean, we want people to to make moves or even just to be in the conversation where I don't know if a lot of people were this season. Yeah. And, and when you point out what I said in Ponderosa, there's at least a day and a half worth of me saying bullshit that I wish I didn't type out just because I was pretty salty at the way things went down. And just, there was this really weird, I guess it's probably because I overplayed, but there was this weird stigma that I was like a big player and people kept talking about it, which 
seemed very weird. And I feel like it was part of Ziggy's kind of game plan to put people on a pedestal as like, oh, this is a big player. Look at Mike. Look at the shield, essentially. Yeah, I think that happened to several people, not just you. Like, I think they continued to pick out one person that they were going to alienate. And that was part of his strategy, you know? Yeah, and it was was smart. It worked really well. It's just, I think uh, multiple people have pointed out now in the Discord that everyone's like, oh, we need to vote Mike. He's so well connected. How many votes do we have? Nine out of 11. Okay, well, yeah, he's really well connected if you can get nine of the players to gladly split a vote between him and his closest ally. If you're splitting votes that early in the game, something's wrong. You know what I mean? It would have been totally different. I think so. I mean, obviously, how well connected are you if nine people out of 11 are voting for you? I think it would have been different if like the whole point of that was to flush Alex idol. If everyone knew that there was an idol and they wanted to flush it and that was the plan behind the move and they were going for Alec, like that makes sense. But the problem was they wanted you out and were hoping that Alec would play his idol. But instead of (laughs) leaking the plan to Alec to get him to play his idol and get out a strong player and an idol, they just kind of went with it. I think the idea was there. I just don't think that they actually had the right like goal in mind. Okay, well, the the right idea was there from Ziggy. Ziggy later has gone on to tell me, and I was so mad about this for so long, but he leaked it to me with the hope that I would play my idol and Alec would go home. Okay, okay, but uh, let's not take away fact that Ziggy has a public idol during all of this. Like, everyone's targeting, (laughs) you know, an alleged idol with Alec. I mean, no one really knows that he has it. And meanwhile, you've got someone with a public idol telling people to split votes to get rid of an idol. It's ludicrous. I mean, completely crazy. Yeah, but I guess you're right, though, uh, Mike. Like, (laughs) like we said, like, it is... It was an interesting way for the beginning of the merge to play out where like you had three people in a row. Sorry, my mom called me and it cut me off. (laughs) Wow. Can we get the mom in on the uh, brother cast? Oh, God. If my mom came in here, I think that she would drive to Minneapolis, throw me in the car and drive me home to like send me to church. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just scared because if she called you, that probably means I have a call coming in the next two minutes. Yeah, We'll see what happens. We'll see Mike drop in a little bit. Yeah, you're right, though. Like the strategy of this merge really turned into like the hive mind of somebody gets thrown out as like, here's a big player. And rather than doing like the current like survivor strategy of like, Oh, I need big shields around me. Everybody was like, Oh no, that person's a big threat. Let's get them out. And so it was really interesting, at least from a viewing perspective to see everybody kind of jump behind the first person that was thrown out as, you know, a big player in the merge. And I think unfortunately for you, like having been the nomad and having been on a tribe where you made a lot of relationships with people, like it didn't matter, you know, how great you were playing. People just knew that you were talking to people and that was enough for them to be able to say, Hey, look, Mike was a big target. Mike's playing hard. I think it may have just been a product of the season that you were on and the way that you guys started voting people at the merge that you didn't really stand a chance. I also got a reputation for being a bit weaselly, which uh, I'm not really going to deny 100%. I did like talking to everyone, but to be completely honest, I didn't talk strategy with a lot of people. I think a lot of it was my attempt to just build relationships, hoping they could take me a little bit further in the game. 
But I mean, how Weasley could you be, though? I mean, these are there was like one big alliance. How could you? I mean, what, yeah, exactly. What was being Weasley trying to go against that big alliance? You know what I mean? I, I guess maybe I think I tried to switch the vote off Steph really close to tribal council. And some people thought that was weird. Was that at the second tribal? Yeah, that was the second tribal. Gabby was worried that well, I... Well, you were the backup vote on that one. So. Yeah, good. Gabby was really worried that I would told people she's the, she was the Toreg, which never happened. I don't know why, but I think Sebastian just did a really good job getting between the two of us, which I think really changed the course of the game. Sorry, Gabby, but you are really needy, and you've admitted it yourself as far as <laughs> constant communication, and I was just a little out of the game with person, not like personal stuff, but just things I had going on for about two days. I was only really there for the challenges. And after that, I came back and Gabby and Ziggy were to be fair, tight as could be. I don't know that anyone's as personal as they've got. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was very intense. Yeah, I, I haven't really gone back and looked at too much of that. I don't know if I can, but that's the that's what I've heard. Yeah. I mean, the problem was, is that like, like you said, Gabby talks a lot and Gabby's also on like typically later at night, which just so happened to be when Sebastian was there. And so like over the course of that swap tribe where you went in with a close alliance of you, Gabby and Alec, like all it took was a couple nights of Ziggy or not Ziggy, of uh, Sebastian and Gabby being online together for a couple hours after everybody else went to bed. And like, that's that. I mean, regardless of like what it means strategically, a lot of times the people you wind up working closest with in the game are the people that you spend the most time talking to. So especially someone yeah. like Gabby, who's a little needier on the Alliance side, like somebody who's going <laughs> to spend that much time talking to her is going to be somebody that she trusts a little bit more. 100%. And I think the issue is that one person becoming close with someone else and maybe not being as tight in your alliance shouldn't be that big of a deal. I think my mistake was when I got overwhelmed by kind of the scope of the game, by how much was going on, instead of thinking of the game as 13 individual pieces, I started to think in terms of we have this block of votes for sure. And that I think was my biggest mistake was I got, I I don't, like some people had said that I got lazy, I laid down, which I'm not going to fight with that but i think mostly i got comfortable with the idea of like us four are together us five are together and i stopped playing just for mike and i started to try to play around that block of votes and as everyone saw by the end of it there wasn't anyone else except me and alec left voting together yeah i'm going to talk a little bit out of the game just for a second i want to know number one how was your experience and number two how was it different from how you thought it was going to be? I mean, the experience was amazing. It was so much fun to the point that when I got voted out, I wrote a diatribe about feeling like semi bored and depressed because I just didn't have like an outlet to talk to people all day. So I think that if anything says like how much it meant to us in the season and how like great it was that when you cut it off, I was like going mad. I was not expecting that at all. I was not expecting it to be as emotional as it was. I wasn't really coming into it thinking like, oh, like I'm going to make friends. (laughs) No one is. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think anyone was prepared for that. And it's really interesting after the season to talk to people about how so many of us were playing very emotionally and we were just kind of focused on that aspect of it. And then Ziggy kind of was playing a very strategic game. And he was coming straight off isolated. He had been in the Discord. And I think that's actually a really cool like 
thing to look at how differently he played compared to people who were doing it for the first time. I think uh, too, I don't think the mistake was casting Ziggy. It's not like this was the first time we've had uh, veteran players that have played with new players. It usually mixes very well. I think the mistake was not having more Ziggies. In other words, like he kind of ran the table, especially after Jed was voted out. I think had we had another really experienced player or two, the game would have been a little bit more open. But I think because he was the only one and he and Gabby teamed up. Yeah, I think even having Ziggy, I don't think was really the issue. It's just that somehow through the course of the game, Ziggy and Gabby got really close. And the combination of those two, I feel like ran the game from round 10 on, if not more. Well, I think Ziggy would admit to that. And I think without Gabby, I think Ziggy goes like final seven or something like that, just as a big threat. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the thing that people keep forgetting is that like, well, you guys were all a big group. I don't think I ever saw people talk about the fact that Ziggy and Gabby were as close as they were. Nobody really sus- they didn't know. Yeah, no one suspected the fact that every time they went to Gabby with a plan that it was going right to Ziggy and then that would come around and Ziggy would come up with a counter plan. And I don't know if that's just that they did a really good job hiding it or if people just weren't necessarily paying attention. Normally, you can pay attention to like when somebody gives you information and you go, oh, well, who did you hear that from? You can tell who else they're working with. And I don't know if they just did like an exceptionally good job of hiding that part or people just weren't necessarily paying attention to who they were getting their information from. I mean, every time somebody went to Gabby, who you thought was one of your closest allies, she was going to who she perceived as her closest ally, which was Ziggy. And the two of them were making a decision together. Yeah. And I made some small mistakes that probably forced those two together. And I feel a little bit responsible for that. Apparently she got really mad that I just didn't jump into like group chats very often. So I would just say like one thing to Alec and then ask Gabby afterwards. But if Alec had told her already first, then she would get really upset with me thinking that I was like planning behind her back. Just between that They both did a really good job acting like every time they heard information, it was the first time they heard information. Yeah. Which I, it just didn't even cross my mind. That stuff that now you say it sounds so obvious. It, it, I just wasn't thinking about it and things like that and hiding who you're really aligned with are, are things that hopefully now if I went back and played with more experience, I'd be able to do. But at the time, it just didn't cross my mind. Yeah. I think one of the issues too, at least for you, is like in a lot of seasons of Survivor and most seasons, Pudi, I'm not sure if it's most seasons because I haven't watched most or lurked most seasons of Stranded, but normally there's like opposing factions or alliances. You know, you don't have to be so careful about telling people who you're working with because they kind of know because they know who voted with them at the previous tribal council. Whereas you guys, when you're all voting together, there was no clear line. Like you didn't know who was working against you and who was working with you because you were all jumping in on the same plans. No one's alliances were truly ever tested. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I keep saying that I should stop saying that. (laughs) But, and I think, again, mistakes I made in the game contributed to that. I think if I didn't just jump on Ziggy's plan to vote out Kellen first uh, first vote after the merge, we might have been able to hold uh, a more solid numbers advantage and tried to play that out. And that may have created a more stereotypical season of Stranded or Survivor where you have one faction against the other. But I think once Kellen was gone, there wasn't really a dominant faction to fight against, really. And I think that played really well to someone like Ziggy or Gabby, who were kind of these middle players that could 
be between a lot of different individuals and gather information very well. Well, and I think, you know, when we're talking about the typical season, usually what happens is there are, I guess you call them factions or different alliances or what have you. And when they, they go to war with each other, usually they take out the biggest threats on each side. So it's exciting and it's it's usually pretty combative and uh, very personal, but what it's unpredictable, I think. But, you know, usually what happens is it narrows down and then we get stuck in the end with usually like two goats and maybe like one under the radar strategist. I mean, that's pretty typical. What was different here, I think the same thing happened. We lost one person at a time, but in this case, it was just one big alliance that was kind of controlling how it went. And it, it at least it resulted in one power player in the final. It just, that's almost somewhat worse, you know? I mean, I would almost rather the under the radar winner than a predictable season with a dominant winner, you know? I think just kind of going off what you said, I think that was one of the problems with final tribal council and the reason people were so annoyed and scared that Davey was going to win is in a season where it works like that, where it's kind of this unanimous tribe voting off one person after another, everyone is really close for the most part. Everyone's talking with each other. And then, yeah, maybe there's like under the table dealings that you don't know about. But when you have this kind of back and forth where you have two feuding alliances, it's not really personal when someone takes you out. You you understand that you're on the opposite alliance. Maybe they got the best of you this round. Who knows what happened? Maybe there was an idle play, whatever. But when it's this kind of big group all talking with each other and not really fighting, it feels really personal every time someone gets voted out because everyone in that group has been telling them most likely that it's not them, that it's someone else, that there's a different plan. But then you get to tribal and it turns out seven people were lying to you, six people were lying to you. And I think that's just really unfortunate for someone like Ziggy and why an under-the-radar player almost took it from him despite the fact that he had so much control. I'm kind of on two sides of the fence. I would I would have been fine with Ziggy losing because I think it's a he would have deserved to lose had he lost. That's number one. Number two, oh, yeah. I think you're right. It, and that's something we hadn't really thought of is that just how personal it got. It wasn't just like you're being blindsided and voted out. It was like, yeah, you know, you're really being shunned and villainized by the entire game on your way out, you know, so... I would imagine that's pretty. Number one, you're shocked you're being voted out. And number two, on top of that, now you're some huge asshole that everyone hates and you're not sure why. And I think if there's one thing you'll notice is most people when they came to Ponderosa just disappeared for a bit or didn't talk right away or really upset with just the game in general. Not like the people in Ponderosa so much, but Chelsea almost didn't come back. Clay quit for God's sake. And like, other people would post once, then disappear for a couple of days until the very end, it started to get better. But I think that the votes were really brutal because they were so unanimous. It felt so like everyone against you. Yeah. And I think that really played into the emotional final tribal council is everyone felt hurt. And we didn't put that on Donathan or Davey because we didn't think they did enough in the game. So all of our emotional abuse got shouldered by Ziggy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, Sebastian. I mean, fair enough, though. I mean, he really was the reason it happened. And, and I think, you know, that's not uncommon, first of all, for people in Stranded to get overwhelmed with the intensity of it because it is hard. I mean, I know it sounds like it's stupid and it's online and yeah, everyone should play like Ziggy, but I promise you Ziggy's first season, he was just as big of a train wreck as everyone else was. More of a train wreck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so much more. It's like they say, you know, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. I think that's stranded. It just punches you in the mouth with personal feelings for people. I don't think when people play, they necessarily realize just how paranoid you're going to be because you don't know anything. You don't know who's aligned with who, if you're being lied to. There's a lot that goes on. So 
it's not unusual for people to quit. And then on top of that, like the hosts are really harsh. Like we're not holding any punches at tribal council. If you're hiding. Oh, trust me. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have, I have some personal experience. Uh, yeah. I should probably apologize for that one. No, you don't. No, no. Well deserved. Well deserved. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, the hosts are really harsh. We're telling you, you suck. We're like trying to get something out of everybody. So we're going a little bit harder than we probably should. But at some point we just throw plan B at the window. And and, that, and that's just how it is. I mean, it's a hard experience. Yeah. I, I was curious, was the whole like players versus hosts, was that new or has that happened in previous seasons before? No, I mean, that's pretty much every season. I like to do a little good cop, bad cop to get something out of someone. I'm usually harsh at tribal council because I don't want tribal council to become like a joke. I really like to keep the tribal council in- intense because... I want people to have that last minute chance of getting out of it. So when I go into tribal, I start off by really attacking certain people's for whatever weaknesses. I can go after public things. I can't go after anything that's behind the scenes or not everyone knows about. So if it's public, I'm going to bring it up and I'm really going to go after people who are hiding. And if you'll notice when things finally do start to there's an argument or a vote's trying to be changed all the hosts are instructed to shut up. Like at that point, it's like, let these players play uh, because that's what we're really trying to get. Yeah, I guess my more curiosity, because I don't think that played out as often as you guys probably wanted to. But I think it was because there was this like true animosity from the players to some of the hosts when they would talk in tribal council. And I think it was this weird culture that really maybe was set up by or maybe he just benefited from it. But Sebastian had this whole like where the players were together versus you hosts like fuck off we know what we're doing well yes at some point it became obvious we were being counterintuitive to what good gameplay and it's not uncommon for players to like bond against the hosts it's kind of like even when you think, okay. even if you think about like siblings against their parents or kids at school bonding against hating on the teacher or whatever just any authority figure that's like a, a typical bonding situation so i think that's a little bit of that's natural where we come in as we try to play that up to a point of getting something out of everyone i think in this season it was a little bit worse because there was already a lot of group think going on and i think at some point there was one tribal council where everyone was seemed to be too insulted and we weren't getting anything out of anyone and i think after that i kind of instructed the hosts to cool it a little bit and play a little bit more good cop than bad cop was that was that the one where no one went for the Immunity idols yes. for giving up their votes. Yes. Yeah. When it got really heated. And two, it's hard because we want to influence the game to a degree, but we also don't want to influence the game, if that makes sense. Like we want to we want everyone to play their best, but we don't want them to play unnaturally. You know what I mean? Like we don't we don't want to make someone pl- do something they're not naturally gonna do. Yeah. But we do want people I was gonna say, think of real survivor, like how many times do you watch and you know, there's somebody who's very clearly on the outs and they're at a tribal or they're somewhere and they go, oh, no one's talking to you. Like you need to let those people sometimes get a question from somebody who's not in the game and be like, do you realize like how sketchy this is? No one's ever going to come out and say, hey, everyone's voting against you. Do something. But you're going to give them the probing questions to try and get them to do something that's in the benefit of their game. Yeah, I mean, the opening question to the tribal council where I got voted out, Jeff, was you asking if I realized that I was the first person voted out of the challenge? Like, was I being targeted? So I I see what you're talking about. Yeah, like if it's public knowledge, I'm going to harp on it. And I think like as you saw, it doesn't I don't say it doesn't affect anything, but really, I think 
all it does is kind of shine a light on everything that's going on. And in the case of this season, it didn't affect shit. Nobody took anything. <laughs> what, what we were saying, we might as well just not have been talking, frankly. But we at least have to try. We care about all the players. We really, like, uh, we spent a good time preseason hoping Davey would come around and trying to push Davey to come out of his shell a little bit. Ideally, everyone has a great storyline. That's what we're after. We're not just after, like, a Sebastian dominating the whole game, you know? No, and that's the thing, is I think when you look at our season as a whole, maybe the entire gameplay doesn't live up to what some people are hoping for. But I think each individual, at least most of the individuals, I think, played pretty well, did their best, and have some sort of storyline about how their game went. Well, like that's how I feel about it, at least. Like, some of my favorite seasons of Survivor, I'm very much... I do not care about strategy. I'll be 100% honest. Like, I don't care about strategy at all. That's not the type of game I'm interested in. So when I design this game, it's 100% about getting people's personality and having letting people have a emotional, real experience. That's what I'm interested in. So like I watch Big Brother UK, which has no strategy at all. Like, and my favorite seasons of Survivor in general are not strategy heavy. Like they might even be pagongings. So I don't even, <laughs> I don't even necessarily care that there was a pagonging. I really, like I still maintain that this season has had incredible characters. I think the problem with the season was we didn't get to see enough out of the great characters and it was predictable. So it was a little bit boring, but that's not to say it was a bad season. I mean, the cast is incredible and there were enough moments that it was watchable. I mean, we're still talking about it now. So like I said in the game during the podcast, I think this is going to be one of the seasons that maybe was really frustrating to live through. But as time goes on, we think back to it a little bit more fondly than (laughs) than how we're necessarily thinking about it now. Yeah. And and one of the more interesting things, and I think it came out a lot more in Ponderosa, is that there were so many characters in this season. It's just interesting that the way this season played out with all of these personalities still turned into this kind of dominant Pagongian type gameplay. Well, and look, preseason... I mean, you can listen to the the pregame podcast. I mean, we really put time into this season in particular, and I still maintain it's one of our strongest casts. We really put work into finding 21 really entertaining people. Um, And I think we did. I think another thing that was unfortunate was that Ziggy and Gabby were not only good, strong players, but they also were from two different tribes. It was almost like the perfect storm of a bad season, predictability wise, because, you know, because they were from two separate tribes, they could control two separate alliances and no one necessarily paired them together as an alliance. So I really think a lot of it is circumstance. I think if we hit the the random button on the season, nine times out of 10, it's going to be a fantastic season. I think we just got unlucky with this circumstances of the swap. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think the way things played out was also a little unfortunate that some of the quote unquote like bigger players or personalities were like louder and more willing to go after other people. But they were also I think we were fairly easy to influence. I think nothing against Chelsea, but I think Chelsea had a lot of like loud moments, a lot of talking, brought a lot of heat, but then was easily told or convinced what to do by Sebastian. I think I was really easily convinced what to do by Sebastian and Gabby. I think a lot of people had these personalities, but then in their gameplay, we were controlled by two better players. Yeah, for sure. And then by the time, I think then you have people like maybe Rob, Angela, who could have stood a chance 
but a couple of us misplayed the the earlier part of the merge and gave too much control over to the two that kind of ran the show. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think like what typically happens in Stranded began to happen at the start of the merge, and that just let an open gap on the second half of the merge to dominate, where like you had Stephanie and Rob kind of duking it out instead of coming together. So that played Disease benefit. Kellen and Kellen and Chelsea, you and Chelsea, so, several people in Chelsea, really. I think had those people in the beginning not have been sharing each other's plans to take out the majority alliance, you probably could have. But, you know, it is what it is. Well, what actually really upsets me is I think Donathan could have won if you played Final Tribal Council better. I think Donathan did a lot of stuff that was like an intentional under the radar game from throwing challenges to just being quiet and still building strong relationships. But I think he was scared that saying I threw that maze challenge would get taken the wrong way or something along those lines, even though I feel like he could prove it based on how well he did in the last two between the box and the challenge before that. Mm -hmm. I think if he was better at showing his intent to be under the radar and he was willing to explain why in a game like ours where everyone's kind of voting unanimously, it was advantageous to be under the radar. I think he could have easily gotten my vote and a couple others. Because if we're being completely honest, in a game that was as emotional as it was, I didn't want to vote for Sebastian. I kind of did it because I didn't think the other two had a good enough yeah. argument. I didn't want to. The, the move he made voting out Chelsea, for example, A, what a way to burn someone who's been your ride or die final two. I know he had a bunch of those, but he did it to save two goats. And I 100% agreed that I don't think there was any way Chelsea was going to vote for him. Even if she voted for Davey, which some people were upset by, that is a pretty brutal move, saving Donathan and Davey and voting out your final two. And he could have saved her. He could have taken one of the other two and the game could have been very different, but he made the active choice to burn that relationship. And I feel like he did that a couple times. Um, from blindsiding Alec when Gabby didn't know to eventually voting Gabby out. Yeah, uh, and and so I, if Ziggy did not play a perfect game, that's very clear. Like I'm happy Ziggy won. I think he's one of our better winners. Certainly one of our more dominant winners. But I was rooting for Donathan personally. I just felt like he had a stronger storyline going. I definitely see where you're coming from, where he didn't make a strong enough case, uh, especially because like he wasn't even in contention. Like really, it was between Davy and Ziggy, and I mean that just sucks because. <laughs> that's a shitty yeah. it's a shitty pairing no offense to Davey but I just he wasn't around enough for me as a player oh sorry Donathan just focused so heavily on relationships which I think didn't jive with the jury because in a game that was as close as this one everyone kind of had relationships with everyone so that I know he didn't do anything to hurt anyone but that doesn't really make you a shining star saying I was friends with people. I don't know. So we talked a little bit about host versus player. I'm interested because one of the hosts was your brother. So <laughs> Danny, <Hey>. um, <laughs> how did it feel watching your brother? Was there a little bit of competition there? Was there, were you rooting for him? Were you? Well, I mean, I think I said it best in my cast draft when you made fun of me for not picking uh, Mike, like, you know, I was excited to watch him play, but watching somebody play and knowing them outside of the game did not mean that I thought he was going to win. Um, like you said, coming into the game, I was kind of on the same page with you and the other hosts that I thought that it would be fun to watch Mike play. I didn't necessarily think he was going to do great, but it was fun to watch because like you said, like that first part of the um, 
first part of the game, like that first tribe, you were really killing it. And then, you know, you started to trash talk a little bit in your confessional, which was always fun. I love a good banter. <laughs> but then also like, it was a little hard because like you said, you didn't pick up on some of the things that were thrown into your confessionals by other hosts and at tribal council where, you know, the whole point of us being in there and trying to get people to pay attention to the game around them is to let you know, like, hey, like, are you a little bit worried that you're voting with everybody? And, you know, I don't think I was ever at a point where I was like rooting for you being like, I really hope he wins. I really hope that like he destroys all these people. But I was hoping that you were going to, you know, play the game and have fun and like do the best that you could. You know what I mean? I didn't have a preference. I didn't necessarily want you to beat me, but if you would have done it, it would have been cool. <laughs> no, I, I 100% agree with that. It's a little unfortunate that the person that I would go to with any questions about survivor or strategy was the person who couldn't respond to anything I had to say for fear of giving away information that I didn't have. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really, I've got into this show not even a year ago because of you and I've really only started watching more seasons more recently. And that actually was a surprising, a surprising amount of like of problems I had in this game because I knew that if something happened in the show, I would usually send you a text about it and you could help like explain through concepts or stuff like that. So that was the weirdest part of you being a host for me. Like, yeah, it was fun to trash talk you and I really wanted to do better than you. But it was actually kind of difficult not to be able to like ask you questions about things that were going on. And I ran into that a couple of times. I feel like you sent really vague text messages back to make sure you weren't saying anything that would give me an advantage. Oh, yeah, they're fun to read back now. Or I'm like, yes, there will be a tribal tonight. And you'd be like, oh, is this season boring? And I was like, this season is like all seasons. Um, <laughs> yeah so mike was it intimidating knowing that danny was like a fan favorite in his season he just came off of kind of dominating and everyone was like loving him and he was final five and all of these great things was that like intimidating to you coming into the game knowing you're his brother and there's probably gonna be some expectation oh it was terrifying it was terrifying just going into the interview like i, I honestly think that in my defense of that interview it's hard to go in to a bunch of people that know Danny and his personality and I know he really cares about and is really good at this game and like trying to compare and compete with that that's it's a daunting task and I'm not just trying to like blow him but I think that it took a while to kind of get out of my shell and kind of not try to think of myself as in Danny's shadow. I think by the time the game really got rolling, I got there. But then, like we said, once we got to the merge, it was just really a question of experience and being overwhelmed by the situation. But yeah, that was, that was always in the back of my mind. You'll see it. I said a lot in confessionals, like I would always bring him up about trying to do better than Final Five, despite the fact that didn't really come that close. And even coming into this community in general on the Discord, like it's it's definitely weird sometimes. And it's something that like we've all put up with our entire lives, having three older brothers. You come into like communities and you're not just you, you're someone's little brother. And you have expectations and other things to live up to. I think, though, y'all both have such a big personality and such different personalities that I don't really like when I when I interact with you, I'm not thinking oh, I've got to be careful around about what I say about Mike to Danny. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I think of you as two <laughs> completely separate people. I mean, I'm not careful about what I say to anyone, but I think you guys have your own personalities and your own game styles and i think even within the discord community everyone kind of thinks of you separately you know yeah and i think that's always been kind of an interesting thing is that despite the fact that apparently we all look almost exactly alike i think all of us are really different individuals and i think part of that is that we want to prove that we're different individuals i i would be lying if i said that 
there wasn't some influence to my game, knowing that Danny came in as a as a power player and was, from what I understand, kind of regarded as a snake and kind of made some some throat slitting moves and whatnot. And I think, oh, hey, yeah, who told me I was a snake? <laughs> who said that? What? No, slit throat. I only fight when people come for me. Okay. okay. So everyone else in the Discord just lying. I, I actually want to know. It was fucking <laughs> Hannah. I'm going to kill her. I think it might have been. <laughs> I honestly don't remember 100%. I think it was just people complaining about you from your season. I might have just taken it that way. Anyone who complains about me from my season came for me first. Fair enough. But yeah, I think, I guess I don't, I can't see Turks yet. I don't know exactly how your gameplay went, but Based on how I thought that's how you played, I think I played a very, I guess in my mind, I was playing a very different game. I was trying to stay more in a singular alliance, build strong relationships with a few people and carry that to the end, which didn't work out. But that was the gameplay I was trying to stick to. If you had to play again now, knowing what you know from Stranded, how would your strategy change? Or at least if you're not sure what your strategy would be, how would your outlook on the game change? I think the importance of relationships is still there, but I think I would take less stock in them. I think I thought like me, Alec and Gabby were infallible. Like I got this whole, we've been together since the beginning, like nothing will break us apart vibe going. Even once we added in Sebastian, I ate up everything he said so quickly about trust and wanting to play with people, not alliances and blah, 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 bullshit, whatever. I I think I'd have to just go in with a more experienced grain of salt and just say okay people are going to lie to you it's your job to get as much information as possible and figure out what the truth is i think i just took people at face value way too often and that led to me getting complacent when i was on the choppy block for almost three tribal councils if not more uh what advice would you give to someone new coming into the game same thing i don't know it's hard when someone's new because it is going to be like this the relationships are really serious like you talk with these people for couple weeks almost non-stop when you get the chance i know i was on while i was supposed to be working um so i'm not in any way trying to say don't take those seriously it's just that you have to remember that everyone's in this game and apparently except for gabby who was willing to sacrifice her game for sebastian everyone's playing for themselves everyone has a plan to get themselves to the end and to beat you even if you're there with them um so yeah just don't take your eyes off the prize if you're doing well if you're making friends just remember that they're going to turn on you eventually. It has to happen. That's the way the game works. So this is a question for both of you. Should you both be invited back to the same season? Does that, obviously it's going to impact how you play, That the fact that you know each other, but do you think at any point what happens in the game gets taken outside of the game into your personal relationship as brothers, or are you guys going to be able to separate that completely? Danny would throw me to the wolves in a heartbeat to win a game. <laughs> I don't doubt that for a second. <laughs> you make me sound like such a savage. No, you just take this game really seriously. I feel like you care a lot about Survivor and you really have something to prove here. Uh, you were I don't think it would ever go outside of the game, though. Like, Oh, no, I think not that, at all. I think, that, I think that's a thing that Cody was asking. Like, I don't think, yeah, like if I need to cut somebody in the game, I'll cut somebody in the game. But like, I don't think that changes any way that I feel about Mike outside of the game. I mean, half the people that I'm friends with on the Discord are people that I fought with in games. Probably my best friend on the Discord is Walk, and he came for me and I cut him. Like, <laughs> you know, that's the way it works. So, yeah. I think I if, if it was both of our first seasons, I could see it going out that way a bit more. I think after we've both played once, I think we'll be better at, 
I shouldn't say we'd be better because I don't think it would have affected us outside of the game anyways. But I think the chances of it affecting our lives outside the game is pretty slim now that we've both played a season. Now, neither of you have played in All-Stars. They are your first experience times 10 because everyone <laughs> is playing a end game from day one. And it's I always explain to it like this. I would not do All-Stars except for the fact that it's kind of the peak of what we do as players. We're going to get the best personalities, the best players, and they're all going to go head to head for four weeks. And it's the longest four weeks of your life. Like after I host those seasons, I have to go on hiatus for a little while because it's so exhausting, not only from hosting, but I can imagine playing if you're playing at that level. 24 seven for four weeks, it's going to be completely exhausting. And all stars in particular are very personal. So I will warn you of that. Like it's, it's not uncommon for people to come out of all stars with brand new grudges of friends that they've had for a long time. So when you play all stars, try to compartmentalize it because it is intense. It's, it's a, it's an experience. And like I said, like it would be so much better if we didn't play them because they're very exhausting, but it's just, it's the height of what we do. It's what everyone looks forward to. You kind of have to do them for better or worse. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a terrible, I, I can imagine how much time we spent talking just about random bullshit this season. But if you replace that with mostly strategy, that must be exhausting for both the player side and the host side trying to keep up with what's going on. Well, I think it's, it's so much is playing into it too, like other games that people have played together people looking at your past game friendships from outside of games there's just so much going on in them it's very personal too so things to look forward to but anyway i I guess the last questions i have are what did you learn about your brother this would be for both of you guys what did you learn about your brother through this experience that you did not know (laughs) i think i think you'll probably have a lot more to say about this and maybe a certain article of clothing than i have to say in this situation (laughs) yeah i learned that uh mike would love to wear a sundress to a summer wedding (laughs) not at all what i was expecting to get out of this season but you know you do you boo they were just coming up in the conversation (laughs) we were talking about summer weddings and i was sick of having to wear a suit fair enough no but like in in a serious manner i think i was expecting like i said i was expecting you to do a lot worse than you actually did oh thanks um but i think you also learn a lot about like just like whenever you talk about survivor you learn a lot about how people interact and i think as like cliche as it is to say it i think I do see a lot of the way that I interact with other people in the way that you did, um, which I thought was cool. Like at least socially with everyone in the game, like we had a very similar approach, you know, generally easy to get along with. Like no one hated you. I think that was my biggest fear is that people are going to be like, Oh, this dude sucks. And then I was going to have to be like, Oh, that's my brother. So <laughs> the fact that, uh, you know, you learned the humor pretty quick. You got along with people. They liked you. Like you generally had a good, um, a good personality for the game. I think that was pleasantly surprising yeah i mean personality wise we've always been closer than the other two getting i guess everyone's calling him peg leg in here would be very interesting to see what how he would play this he's a very different person than i feel like we are but yeah i think personality wise we're similar uh i think it'd be really cool to go back and see turks and get a better idea of how you actually played how that went down everyone here seems to love you which doesn't surprise me that's been kind of a consistent since like you were in high school so was kind of expecting yeah. that but yeah yeah i don't know I, i've seen you as a host was definitely different just because like the kind of authority role but it didn't seem like that different from how you would normally act or how you would take these things so i don't know if i learned as much as you got to watching me i am with random people about 
bullshit. Oh, I learned so much. It's great. Yeah, it's kind of terrifying, to be honest. <laughs> oh, I, wonder, I wonder if anyone else has had that experience of a host that knows them being able to see, like, when, because people were getting really personal in some of these IMs. And there were like moments where I was like, oh shit, like, is it weird that. But I mean, obviously, you guys were pretty close before this. Uh, maybe it didn't make you any closer, but uh, at least it gives you something to bond over. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's definitely cool. It's funny to see. Uh, we've never been, I think, just as a family as a whole, we're not like super close contact. We're not like texting every day, and my phone's kind of busted. So if they are, I might just not be receiving them. But it was definitely cool just to see more of. Danny interacting with people just because like, yeah, we only see each other early on big holidays, rare occasions. I guess in a couple weeks you'll be down here. So I'll see you then. But I'm going to be hammered for like 48 straight hours. It's going to be incredible. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. I've already talked to people saying that we're going to figure out what's going on and make it work no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fun. I mean, you, you get the discord. I mean, we were really worried with a couple people in your season about how they're going to take coming in and dealing with us all the time. Cause I mean, as you can see, things get not necessarily hostile, it's but a lot. things get heated quite a bit, but yeah. you seem to be doing all right. <laughs> I think the, the only two situations so far that have been hostile was a, a quick discussion about sexuality that no one was prepared for. And then recently in rematch, I have a, I have some bones to pick, but I'm just going to shut my mouth on that one until it's over. <laughs> Wait for the next one. Yeah. Well, rematches, a rematch is always a trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like no one really cares, but everyone kind of overplays. So it's, it's a little fun. I still think. Oh, yeah. This one is messy. It's, it's been messy. I still think rematch is probably like better than 90% of Discord games, which is nuts. But <laughs> I was just so let down. I was like, I was almost excited that after all that bullshit, I got thrown in the box and I was ready just to like throw as many people under the bus as I could. And then the instant reaction was, oh, you want to throw people under the bus? That's not very teammate-like of you. <laughs> and I was just like, what the fuck was that? I think that was like a troll almost. I don't know. <laughs> I was, I was not prepared for it, but it was a good time for the couple of days. And I'm glad to have my life back, to be completely honest. Yeah, no, I mean, you really need some detox time after a season, too. I, yeah. I think I got my wife into the game 30 seasons, 10 years in. So, and I, I've known her for 10 years. I've dated for 10 years. I mean, uh, including marriage and everything. So the reason I got her in, in the beginning was because, well, for one, I didn't want to continue the game if I didn't have my wife involved. Like I didn't want to continue having something separate from her um, completely. But number two, I, she was having problems at work in that environment. And I thought it would be a good way for her to see a competitive experience and to get a good look at how she interacts with people and some of her flaws in that sense. And it really ended up being a very good thing for her confidence and learning how to interact with people better. So she learned a lot from that. So I, I guess that's going back to the question of like, if you learned anything about yourself, I don't know. Did I ask that? I don't think very directly. I think this game really helped me almost come out of my show. Like that, that sounds so weird to say, but like coming in, I was really reserved. Honestly, most of my interactions in person, online, whatever are pretty reserved just because I tend to think of myself in life as pretty passive. And I think that wasn't really a way to play yeah. this game. It wasn't fun. It wasn't a good time. It didn't help me get anything done. So I kind of had to put that aside and really just like, you need to talk to people. You need to take action. You need to make moves. And I think I needed to keep it up longer, but I think it was still a really good step and something that I maybe need to do more outside of just a game online. Yeah, I think a lot for a lot of people, Stranded's an outlet too. Like for me personally, I'm 
more introverted. So when I get on here, uh, it's a chance for me to kind of let off some steam, show my true personality that I would normally be a little bit more reserved in showing. And I think people naturally like it's kind of off putting when we have like all these arguments and and all that. But I think when you get eased into it, I think most people kind of take to it beyond anything. It's just funny. Like at the end of the day, we might fight and get stressed out and pissed off or whatever else. But I think I've laughed harder on Stranded Server than probably most of my experiences in life, Um, (laughs) which is crazy. But God, these motherfuckers are so funny. Like we'll play Jackbox and it's legitimately we're like crying, laughing every time we play. I'm still mad. It's been two times that I've been unable to join. Well, it'll happen. You need to stop having a life. That's the real the real way to get involved. <laughs> okay, well, in all fairness, we talked about the detox period. I think after a while, I'll be ready to kind of throw everything else away again and play Jackbox instead of going out on a Friday night. But I've neglected my friends and relationship for quite a while, and I was in some hot shit, so I had to stop doing that for a bit. No, I think we're not going to yeah. do them all on weeknights either. I think that's like people who are stuck in their house bored probably would want to do it, but we're going to do them during the week. But also, I think too, once you get to watch this upcoming Isolated, it's it's a good experience to kind of reflect on your game personally and also haze the new kids and see how new people play <laughs> and kind of, you know, relive that a little bit of like, oh yeah, I remember being like that. <laughs> you know, that will definitely help you not only become a better player, but also kind of relax from the chaos that has probably been your last five weeks. Should probably also try uh, watching Big Brother before you watch Isolated. So you just have like an idea. We've got plenty of racks. (laughs) I I definitely am going to watch more Big Brother, more Survivor. I think I understand some of the strategy to it, and I've watched enough, and I watch YouTube videos about them. But when you're really in the game, it's hard to like take a step back and think about those strategies instead of just following instincts, which usually aren't correct, to be completely honest. I know I talked with you after about... Steph being a social pariah, someone I could have used, maybe kept myself safe, gotten further in the game. Unanimous votes being something that was dangerous for my position in the game. It's stuff like that, that looking back, I could have, yeah, I can easily say those are the right moves is what I should have done. But at the time when you're having these conversations with people, when you're really immersed in it, it's at least for me, it was hard to separate strategy from just like going with the game and what feels right. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's a game, but it's a it's a game that relies on using people's emotions against them. So it really is more than just a game. I mean, people are really bonding and they're using that to their advantage. And if people are not prepared for that, it's going to be personal. And I think, you know, it's natural to just want to be safe. I think that's the natural reaction to something like, oh, I might be going home. Let me just play this safe and not rock the boat because it might be me if I rock the boat. And I think it really takes practice and it takes nerve to be able to notice that something's happening and want to change it and then take action in changing it, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think the more experience you have, the more ready you'll be to jump in, the easier it is to get over that. No, I would definitely say the biggest the biggest lesson I think everyone from this season needs to just take away from it is that like, yes, it's great to be like on the same page as other people. And it feels so good to be able to like go into a vote or go into any sort of situation and know that you're safe, at least for another round. I think the problem, and it's something that I fell into a trap with in my season, and so many people do, is like, you don't think long term, you're thinking I'm safe for this vote. But you don't think two votes down the line and say, Oh, but like, will I still be safe? without this person here? 
like at what point am I on the chopping block? I think especially for people who aren't, you know, super experienced with games, you lose sight of like the long term goal for the short term safety. And I think people, some people think too far ahead and assume that they'll be able to make a move at final seven or final six. And it's like, eh, but you don't know. I mean, those people, everyone else is planning on making a move then or sooner, you know? So you really, if you have the opportunity, you should probably take it and follow your gut if you're in danger. Uh, I think that's something that you learn on your second go around is like, oh, this is happening. I should probably do something about that now instead of waiting until final seven where you may not even have the numbers to do it, you know? Yeah, and the thing is like planning ahead multiple rounds, maybe from like a mathematical or numbers perspective isn't that bad, but trying to like keep track of the change of people's relationships from day to day and how that will affect the next vote, that's not easy to do. Like I felt safe. I was like, oh, if we send Kellen home, then I still have five people I work really well with too that could easily be convinced to vote with me, blah, 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 whatever, safety and numbers. But you don't think about how, okay, well, I don't know for sure if these people are in other alliances. I don't know for sure if people are making other moves. You really need to make the move that's best for your game at the moment and always try to still be making that best move or else the game will shift and you won't be in the same spot you were. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's really, you don't know what other people are doing. And the best way to find out is to kind of test it, you know, and also mm-hmm. paying attention to what's going, what's really going on. Listening to all the cues. Are the hosts questioning certain people? Are, are people getting knocked out of challenges early? Are, you know, you, paying attention to little cues that you get. Am I not being talked to about this next vote enough? You know, are people not coming to me with new ideas? Little things like that, you should probably clue into. And I think you learn around on your second time, you're a little bit more paranoid, a little bit more on your toes and quick to react. And I think that's that's a big bonus, you know. I'm sure one of the, the funnier things to read in all of my confessionals, I think in one of them, maybe after the first merge vote, I literally called out. I was like, I heard Danny say, uh, is anyone worried about this being a unanimous vote? And I have this weird feeling he was trying to tell me something, but I feel fine. So I'm just going to not pay attention to that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, really, everyone should have been worried about it. Like, I always say if there's a unanimous vote going on, either someone else is taking advantage of that opportunity or you should be. You know, if it's unanimous, that's an opportunity for a move to be made or maybe someone is going to make a move and you're the one being taken advantage of, you know? Yeah, I agree. Anyway, that's really all the questions I have. Um, do you have any closing thoughts or statements? Um, no, I mean, overall, it was just an amazing experience. A little upset with the way I went about it. Uh, wish I could go back and change a lot of things, but that's just not how it works. So hopefully I get another chance someday. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. Well, I just want to say I'm thankful that you decided to play. I'm glad it turned around from how we started <laughs> started in the casting process because I really think you became like a, a star of the season and a really good player despite the circumstances of the game. And I think you'll be a valued part of the community. So I want to thank you for hanging in there. All right. Thanks, man. Welcome to the rest of your life. <laughs> it never ends. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's so new. I'm already having a drink, so I just have to be drunk until then. All right. Well, thanks for having me on here. Peace out.